Hey, the force is strong with this one, eh? What do you, what do you got there, a latte? You ever have the hazelnut macchiato? Change your life. Anywho... Sunday, August 3rd, 2014, and this is Eric and Ted's Ice Cream Social. I'm Eric. And I am Ted. Now the dust has settled and the bloodbath is over, and the Red Sox pitching staff is now anchored by Clay Bugholtz. Hmm. Ted and I will discuss what happened and what we might be seeing in the future for the Red Sox. Well, I'm scarcely optimistic, but we'll, we'll see. Also, Eric and I will continue our NFL preview as we head to the NFL's no man's land, the AFC and the NFC North. We'll see if the Lions can finally push past mediocrity with Jim Caldwell at the helm. The Packers will probably plateau. Nice alliteration. We'll see if the Bears can rebuild their defense through the draft as four out of their first five draft picks were all on the defensive side. I'll give you a hint. They probably can't. (laughs) Oh, and by the way, Minnesota also plays there. (laughs) (laughs) While over in the AFC North, Andy Dalton still isn't Brady or Manning. Joe Flacco is barely Andy Dalton. And Big Ben? He tells the girl that he has a very large penis. <laughs> yeah, he's still an overrated windbag with a defense that tried to get younger, but with two starters in the secondary, Ike Taylor and Troy Palomalu, oh. having a combined age of 67 years old. Steelers fans might be wondering, can Sid the Kid play safety? I think you're actually forgetting one of our uh, AFC teams here. Um, am I? <laughs> Uh, well, I haven't heard anything on every single sports media outlet in the entire country. Oh, wait. The Cleveland Browns. Oh, the- Hasn't it been kind of quiet over there in their, uh, in their organization this offseason? Oh, all right, all right. We get it. We're required by, actually, the governing bodies of all things football-related to talk about the biggest jackass in the entire NFL, possibly ever. Hey, everyone! Come and see how good I look! That's got to be Manziel. <laughs> it is, and that's actually saying something. We're looking at you, Terrell Suggs, and every Ryan that's ever coached in the entire NFL. Let's go to eat a goddamn snack! <laughs> sure, Rex, thanks. And finally, Redditor released a map this week showing the most hated NFL teams by state. And it seems the Patriots have proudly fueled their franchise's past 15 years of success on the tiers of Indiana, New York, and Florida. <laughs> the West Coast hates either the Seahawks or the 49ers. And I think it's safe to say we all still think the Ravens are a bunch of douchebags. Yeah, I think that is safe. (laughs) So what are we going to start our show with today, Ted? Well, I want to remind everybody to make sure you hit us up on Twitter at ericandtedics. And ericandted.com. And don't forget to look us up on Facebook. We actually hit a real nice plateau this week. A 300 likes finally on yeah, our Facebook Yeah, I think we're uh, going past 330 at this point. Wow, really? Yeah, yeah. No, so uh, thank you, everybody, for the support. We appreciate it. Yeah. And uh, we're actually also on iTunes. So oh, if, you, uh, nice. if you head up to uh, iTunes, you can download our podcast by searching for Eric and Ted. We're pretty proud of that. So, so, so what are we going to charge? Five bucks a five bucks a download? We're we're not charging anything. Oh, so we're just giving ever. this shit away. <laughs> That's fantastic, man. That's fantastic. As always, the show is free, <laughs> and so is the embarrassment. <laughs> yes, it is. Let's let's talk about all what happened with the trade deadline with the Sox. Sox made some major moves. I don't want to spend too much time on it, but we got to touch on it. Absolutely, six trades. I think the most important thing to start with: who left. Well, we're going to start with the biggest name, obviously. We're going to go with John Lester, mm-hmm. homegrown talent, two World Series rings with us. He was sent with Gomes, Johnny Gomes, mm-hmm. to the Oakland Athletics. So Billy Bean made a move. Now, what do we get in return? A nice young slugger 
named Cespedes. He's got 17 home runs in the year, and, you know, we got him in our control for this season and next season. By the way, he's also been hitting in the Grand Canyon of baseball. Yes. It's got more foul territory than, yeah. you know, so. No, he should do good. That, that wall, uh, <coughs> that, that short porch is going to be nice for him. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, a lot, lot smaller area in, the foul, in foul territory. Mm-hmm. He's got the monster to hit off. Like, so he's one of those classic Red Sox players that when he comes here, he should be, a, you know, they call him the doubles machine. Yeah. Like, he should be able to rake it. In well, I mean, it, it's, I just find it interesting. Um, I didn't expect this. It's, for me, it came out of left field. When, when you and I were talking before, um, I kind of presented it to you in a conversation of a, of a fire sale. Getting rid of these professional players, getting back prospects. Mm-hmm. And, you know, kind of dealing with a year of rebuilding. Uh, apparently, that's not what the Red Sox are doing. You know, they put together this package and got a bona fide hitter, young, mm-hmm. that we still have under our control for next season. Hopefully, we can sign an extension. So they got a major league player instead of just prospects. So they're not looking two, three years down the line. They're looking to win in 2015, and that's encouraging. Can I ask you a question about yes. that, though, real quick? Um, when you have the Lester contract situation, mm. forget about the numbers. What, the 470? No, yeah. no, it's over. He's yeah, gone. It's I gone. don't want to rehash it. But you traded 2014's problem with the contract. Did you trade that for 2015's contract problem? Cepedes, did you did you now do we now have the same problem where you know you're going to have Poppy at batting third? You need this guy. You need the Manny Ramirez back. You, you do. <clears throat> Not to say that there's one out there, but you know something comparable. Yeah, you needed that extra power in the middle of the lineup. Absolutely. Now, did we just kind of push that forward? I don't know enough about. Um, uh, I don't know. Uh, I don't know enough about Cepedes to postulate what's in his head. I don't know where he wants to play. I know he said all the right things, playing with a legendary ball club with the Red Sox. He's looking forward to it. That's all great. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we don't know how he's going to react to the pressure of Boston. Now, I think it's a good thing for him that we're out of it now. There is no expectation for this season. So there is really no pressure on him right now. Next year, there will be. So I don't, I don't know okay. if, if we get aggressive in the offseason and try to extend him. That's what I would hope. But I, I'm still holding out hope that we get into contract talks with Lester in the off season. Uh, yeah, we'll we'll see how that goes. Yeah, I'm, I mean, you know, yeah, we can't uh, we can't look at that right now, but that's where I'm hoping to look at in the future. But I mean, you're right. There is a chance that we just traded one problem for another and just bought as a contract wise. Yeah, contract yeah. wise, yeah. All right. Now, who else moved along? Uh, so, all right, so we got a bona fide major league hitter yep. that was a desperate need. At the same time, we lost a legitimate power pitcher. Ace ace, mm-hmm. you know, anchor of a rotation, yep. and sent him to another AL team. So, that- and, I, and I wish him success this year. I, you know, I hope he, he can take the A's over the top and, and make some noise in the playoffs. I do, too. You know, I was hoping he'd go to Pittsburgh because I kind of like rooting for Pittsburgh. Sure. You know, but I don't, I don't mind watching the A's in the postseason, see what they can do. All right. I fear seeing John Lester in a Yankees uniform next season. And I don't want to look That's down— That's always a possibility. I don't want to look down the middle of the field next year in the Bronx and see John Lester and directly behind him, Jacoby Ellsbury. And I think that that's a real distinct possibility. It's of course it of is. They got the money and, and they've proven, I mean, we have the money as well, but they've proven that they will over overspend to get said player. We won't. Mm-hmm. So that's a, a very good possibility that he ends up in pinstripes next year. A little bit nauseating. What are you going to do? We're going to wait and see. Yeah, we're going to wait and see. Um, now, the next big one mm-hmm. was uh, getting rid of Lackey and his team-friendly contract for 2015, $500,000, rookie minimum. Mm-hmm. 
Okay. Yeah. Um, great value. Yeah. We did get a utility infielder outfielder in Alan Craig. Yep. Okay. And we got a up and coming starting pitcher who's who's been in the league now. This will be his third year in the league. Joe Kelly. Okay. Okay. He went ten and five last year with uh, under three ERA. Okay. You know, this year not that good. His ERA is above four. But well, but when well coming here, there's one thing that I I want to make sure that I make clear is that I have a great deal of confidence in the way that the Red Sox organization handles pitchers. Because if you think about as you go down the line, they start if, if they're young, they start to work with Pedro. If they're on the major league club, they have John Farrell. Yep. They who's yeah who was a great pitching coach and now the, the manager. So I mean, where else would you, you would you rather lean on? Yeah, where do you want to? As a, as a young pitcher, he cultivated Lester and cultivated Buckholtz, and you know, absolutely. Oh, don't 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 say Buckholtz anymore tonight. Buckholtz, <laughs> Buckholtz, Buckholtz. Okay, he's going to be the leader. That's what John. Uh, that's what John Farrell said. He now has the opportunity to be the leader of the pitching staff. Oh, add to. I'm sorry. Okay, now in the most unlikely of scenarios, mm-hmm. Brian Cashman said yes. To Stephen Drew? Are you serious? I thought I thought the Yankees hated us. Uh, what are they doing? What are they doing? Thank you, Brian Cash. Yeah, right. Uh, so they take Stephen Drew off our hands. Mm-hmm. And he's, they're gonna he's gonna play second base. Yep. I mean, we don't have to deal with. We him. don't. We don't give a shit. <laughs> we don't. We don't. We really don't. Um, you know, but uh, but we did get um, uh, Kelly Johnson in that deal, and that's actually. You know, to it's give up bad. that huge salary yep. for the Yankees to take that off our hands. Stephen Drew, w- nobody was really enthusiastic at the time. No. Had but th- hey, thanks for helping us win the World Series last year. But Oh, oh yeah, without a doubt. He um, is who we thought he was. Oh, God. <laughs> I, I oh, almost wish I had that queued up. Um, <laughs> the, the Drew brothers, can you imagine... That the they, epitome of apathy. And and they both have World Series rings with the Boston Red Sox. And both won number seven. Yeah. That's weird. And that, and which I actually, you welcome, true family. Uh, yeah, and, and Trot Nixon, you know, is mm. as his belly grows and his the, <laughs> the, the seven on his jersey becomes distended yes. around his back. His ever-widening um, ass. Yeah, <laughs> like a spreading pancake. Um, but anyway, so Kelly Johnson, he's a utility guy as well. He can play the infield. He can play the outfield. Sure. They're going to, you know, give him a couple of rehab games at Pawtucket and then activate him. So we'll be able to see what he can do. Quick question. Just wanted to touch back on on one thing, and you did mention Billy Bean. Um, mm-hmm. And if you haven't seen the movie Moneyball, or you read gotta the book, see it. It's it's a necessity. And well, it is. It's it's a it's a good movie. It's a good Hollywood movie. Yeah. But the final result is never necessarily come to fruition. If the if yet. The, uh, okay, yet is Billy Bean's entire legacy on the line here? Is that why he makes a deal like this? Well, at some point in his career, he has to win. To justify everything that he's done with the franchise, he has to win something, at least a World Series appearance. No, he has to win a World Series. That's a t- that's a tall task. There's been lots of greats that haven't won it. He has to win a World Series. All right. His entire thesis, his hypothesis about baseball, about Moneyball, yep. is negated if he doesn't put together a World Series win. That's why he went out and got John Lester. I'm ob- oh, ob- absolutely, a- absolutely, of course, convinced. of course, right. But at the exact same moment that he goes and does this, the Detroit Tigers go get Price. Uh, David Price to the Tigers. That was the kind of rain on my parade. When, when I saw what Oakland did, I said, and I liked what we got back. 
I'm like, all right, Oakland's making a run. And then David Price goes to Detroit. Justin Verlander. Yep. Scherzer. Max Scherzer. Yep. David Price. Yeah, they. You are looking at a, at a sweep, at a playoff sweep. Does it remember? We, neither yeah, is but Verlander. We, yeah, but we faced Verlander, Scherzer, and Fister at at when they were playing awesome last we did. year. Yes, as the Red Sox at the Red Sox. Yes. Did. Okay. So the three top pitchers, they were three top pitchers pitching well at the time, and we beat them. The Red Sox aren't in the playoffs this year. Yeah, I know. Okay, Oakland mm, probably not going to be armed necessarily for this. Although Johnny Gomes uh, uh, over there. Uh, fine. He he may be able to. And he went two for four in his debut. <laughs> hey, great. And and you know, and Johnny Gomes for, say say what you will, but the guy does. Uh, I hate the cliche, but he's a good locker room guy. And but we've all seen the importance of locker room guys. The teams that play together like a team and are relaxed and can have fun and are loose. That's when you see, um, you know, that underdog team come through and win. So people scoff at the idea of a good clubhouse guy. Good clubhouse guy is, is is a very underrated role. No, I, I think you've seen a million times um, people put together all star teams and it that, fails uh, that go miserably. Nowhere. Yeah, so uh, I, I love the idea of having Johnny Gomes go over to that team, and maybe he is the guy that that helps them go over the top. But they did just get rid of their power hitter. Uh, yeah, they just got rid of their guy who's going to hit three with, home runs yeah, in with, a series exactly with one swing of the bat and change a game. Mm-hmm. Any other moves by the Red Sox? That are important to touch on here. Well, um, the most sought-after uh, reliever in the trade deadline was Andrew Miller. Mm-hmm. Okay, we ended up uh, sending him to interdivision rival the Baltimore Orioles. Mm. Okay, and we got a left-handed prospect, um, Eduardo Rodriguez. Okay, okay, and he's supposed to, you know, he's I'd say a top B, top B prospect. Okay, I, I mean, I don't think he's going to have too much of an impact going forward with the Orioles. They're going to fall off. They're leading the AL East right now. They're going to fall off. Even if so, they make the playoffs, yeah. I, I, you know, they're not getting past Detroit. But, but I, I, do like that. I do like that acquisition of uh, Eduardo Rodriguez. Okay. You know, we'll see how he develops um, through our system. And again, like you said, young pitchers, they work with Pedro and then get to come up and work with Farrell. Now, if you look at the infield, if you look at the Red Sox lineup going into next year, you are going to see Brock Holt and Will Middlebrooks, and you're going to see Dustin Pedroia. And you're going to see Xander Bogarts. Yep. And you're going to see all of these homegrown yep. players. Yep. Mookie Betts. M- thank you, Mookie yep. Betts. The huge concern that I have going into next year is... The pitching. The pitching staff. Absolutely. We the, got rid of four of our five opening day starters in the matter of two days. Four World Series wins last year. Two by Lester, one by Lackey, one by Dubron. Yep. And all bye-bye. Every single one of them are gone. Best postseason pitcher, by the way. John Lester. Yeah. His ERA is under one, I believe. Is it? Yeah. Is, is that his career postseason? Yes, it's ridiculous. So he's a big game well, guy. Well, his World Series, I'm sorry. Oh, his, his World Series okay. ERA is below one. All right. But he's an outstanding playoff pitcher. When you're that, that's a Kurt Schilling? Yes. You know, forgetting about any of the peripheral stuff, whatever. The, you know, 30 yeah, when the cards are, are, you know, when the cards in, are on in, the table, he's in, money. In the, yeah. yeah. In, in the context of baseball... Except for when you have a no-hitter in the bottom of the ninth inning with two outs and you shake off Veritech. <laughs> <laughs> Never a good idea. Never, Never a good shake idea. off Veritech. But um, a big game pitcher, John Lester, is the epitome of that. Yes. and He lives for that. He lives for it. Yep. That's the kind of guy. And so, that's why he was loved here. And that's why he'll be missed. What do you think the goal in the offseason for the Red Sox, I guess, as we kind of wrap pitching, this segment? Pitching, pitching, and pitching. 
And so go with what they have, the Jackie Bradley Juniors, the um, Cepedas for next year, the Xander Bogarts for next year, Brock Holt. I think we're going to go out, and I think we're going to get a, a better bat in the offseason to play left field. I believe uh, Cespedes is going to be right field. He has a cannon for an arm, so we need him in right field. Okay. I believe we see Jackie Bradley slash Mookie Betts going forward in the future, both great defensively. It's just going to be a matter of who gets their bat to go around and who's going to get that starting position. We need a big bat in left field, and I think that's what they go after in the offseason. Hopefully we pick up a number three, four starter as well, you know, for the pitching rotation. We got to get somebody. It can't just be Buckholz. We need to sign somebody (sighs) relatively major in the offseason. If you look at the playoff teams that are going forward this year, I don't see outside, you know, I don't see Buckholz. If Buckholz were on Detroit right now. He'd be the number four or five starter. Or long relief. Okay. Uh, he would make the starting rotation. Right, Let's not take too much away from him. Uh, okay, but he's he's had a terrible year. He this this getting shellacked, you know. You don't need routinely. to be on the DL for mental stress. And, I mean, that was all mental. Yeah, and that, he had well, no confidence in his stuff. Mechanical breakdowns. You've been in the World Series. You play in Boston. You've you, seen pressure. You know pressure. You can't have mechanical breakdowns against Kansas City in June. Yeah. Forget it. No. It's not happening. Nope. So, but, uh, you know, but that being said, again, like I said, we don't want to touch too much, you know, on the, on the trade thing. I like Detroit. I, I like Detroit with the move they made. Getting Price is going to be huge. And, and I think that's what's going to do it. So they outdid Oakland at the trade deadline. So now that we're out of it, I'm looking for Detroit to take over the AL and make it to the World Series on the back of Price and Verlander and Scherzer. And Scherzer, yeah. I guess I, I guess there's no arguing with that. I have no dark horse there. You can't. I, no, yeah. we're going to root for the underdogs. You know, it's just our nature. We were underdogs for so many years, so we'll be watching the Pirates. You know, we'll be watching the A's passively. Yeah. But as far as baseball goes, we're just going to ride this out, see what uh, young players can do, um, and, and hopefully build on that for next year. So that being said... That wraps up the first segment. We'll be right back after a short break. Again, make sure you visit us at ericandted.com and Twitter at ericandtedics. And on Facebook at Eric and Ted's Ice Cream Social. And Mike Pettin said it very well. Johnny, right now you're our backup quarterback and you need to act like such. And I think there is a Johnny football aura out there. And there's nothing wrong with that. It is what it is. But I think you'll see a guy that's going to come in here and go to work and go to work hard. And we were very frank with him on Friday that that's the expectations. You're the backup quarterback. This is a hardworking, blue-collar town. Um, this isn't Hollywood. We want you to come in here and go to work and work hard and work as hard as anybody on the team. He's not the starter, okay? He's not the starter. Brian Boyer is our starting quarterback. Johnny's the backup. They'll compete. If Johnny wins the job, fine. If not, Brian will be the quarterback. So that's the way it is, and that's the way it's been expressed to him. And I think you'll see Johnny perform that way. And welcome back to Eric and Ted's Ice Cream Social. I'm Eric. And I'm Ted. So... We're going to continue with uh, part two of a four-part segment, breaking down the NFL. This week, we will be tackling the AFC and NFC North. Oh, man. Oh, yeah. It sounds like fun, doesn't it? <laughs> so, as you heard from the lead-in, well, we might as well start with Cleveland and Johnny Football. Oh, well, He's going to be something special, isn't he, Ted? Uh, no. Oh. 
No, I must be I, thinking I, of somebody else. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you're thinking of Ryan Leaf. <laughs> now, you know what? I, I don't even necessarily think I, I, I have to go that far. Right off the top, let's tamper some of the Johnny football week one, week two, week three, yeah, week Everybody four settle starter. down. He is not going to be your starting quarterback starting the season or in week four. His head coach, Coach Pitton, where did he spend the last five years? What was his job for the last five years? Do you know? Oh, he was in the AFC East. He was a defensive coordinator mm-hmm. in the AFC East. Oh. Against? Bill Belichick and Tom Brady. Ah, okay. And um, who's right now their projected starting quarterback? Uh, Brian Hoyer. And where was he? Well, Brian Hoyer toted the clipboard. <laughs> for who? Tom Brady oh. and Bill Belichick for three years. So you're telling me there's no chance a coach that had his bread and butter in the AFC East against Belichick and Brady and a quarterback who learned under Belichick and Brady, he's going to start? Seriously, you know, it's funny as I'm, I'm sitting here and it's one of the things I haven't seen. I've seen everybody talk about, you know, if you watch ESPN or NFL Network or whatever, oh, hey, five seconds, who's going to start for the Browns? Answer to that question if anybody says Anything other than Brian Hoyer, they're wrong. Yes. Flat out, they're wrong. The one reason nobody talks about is the fact that... Well, it's probably because they're too busy talking about Manziel to talk about anything else. (laughs) God, it's seriously, it's LeBron 2.0. Like, why do I know that Manziel went 4 for 11 yesterday in a a team scrimmage? Like, really? Do do I care? But they shove it down your throat. Manziel, Manziel, Manziel. I have heard more about Johnny Manziel and LeBron James... In the last 30 days. I've had enough. That city hasn't won or done a thing. In over four decades. In 40 years. In basically my lifetime. Yep. That city hasn't done a thing. And all I have to hear about is that. Now, granted, the rest of the country is probably really sick of the Patriots and the Red Sox and the Celtics and the Bruins. Fine. Granted, but at least there's a reason to talk about them. Yes. You don't have to force the issue just to talk about something. Yeah. So for forgetting a, a second about Johnny Manziel's 4 for 11 day, talk to me about the Browns in and of themselves. Or talk to me about the, the AFC North for a minute. Well, seeing how we led off with, uh, with the Cleveland Browns. Okay, last year they went 4-11 and 11 in the basement of the AFC North. Mm-hmm. Okay. Lost their last five games. Um, actually, the longest losing streak was seven. So it was the seven straight losses to end the season. Okay. Um, Again, no Johnny football. Johnny football is going to be holding the clipboard, but you know what? The camera's still going to be on him. Of course. Enough with that. Yeah. So Hoyer's going to have what I think to be a top flight receiver in Gordon, because I believe that that he's going to get his suspension overturned. Mm -hmm. You know, his, his A sample tested positive, but his B sample tested negative. That's enough right there to kind of get it tossed out but we'll yeah. see how that develops well, next week real quick thing on the uh I'm, i just learned this over the course of the last week reading a little bit about it when they do take samples uh they're, they're split in two yep. to make sure that they're not a contaminated sample yep. and what eric's talking about there is the a sample came back with a microscopic amount of and marijuana the, and THC. The, yeah and the b sample came back completely clean but he had also Past 70, yep. seven zero. 70 other drug tests. Other drug tests leading up to this. Yep. So he's facing a one-year suspension based on one out of 71 tests. Let alone half of one complete test. Correct. Okay. So, so, so I expect Gordon to be suited up and to be catching passes for Brandon Hoyer. I agree. Okay. Do I think that's going to put him in contention in the AFC North? Absolutely not. 
there's an interesting thing here, though, about them. And their head coach was a defensive coordinator. And granted, that's a very, very difficult division he came from. The defense from, wasn't bad last year. The defense was incredibly yeah. good last year. They I had, had him on my fantasy team at one point. Uh, yeah. They had a, a remarkable resurgence on their defense. Mm-hmm. Tremendous play from wide receiver. Yeah. Unbelievable tight end. Uh, it, it was... I've, his name slips my mind right now. If you could look that up for me while yeah, we're yeah, talking. Yeah. Um, now, if they can get some stability with Brian Hoyer, keep Johnny Manziel on the bench. He's not going to help. And if he comes out and pulls a Ryan Leaf on you, the entire city of Cleveland could very well fall into the lake. So <laughs> you'd, have a big, you'd have a big problem. But, but they're also lacking at running back. Well, who do they have as their starting running back is going to be Ben Tate, yeah, right? That's, I mean, that's what I'm thinking. I'm just looking at it because they haven't even released their depth chart yet. Okay, so it's just straight roster. You got two rookies on there, three first-year guys, and then you have uh, Ben Tate and Deion Lewis. Ben Tate has a lot of tread left on those ties because he was coming. Remember, he was the backup to Arian Foster. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Aaron Foster gets hurt. Ben Tate comes in. And he's a big, small dude. He's only 5'10". He's a big, small he, guy. <laughs> he's a big, small guy, though. He yeah. is. He's 5'10", but weighs 225. Yeah. He's a bowling ball. He's, yeah. he's a fire plug, yeah. right? Absolutely. Um, strong pass blocker. They have a solid offensive line. I think Cleveland, if Brian Hoyer can do the job, Cleveland can make a little bit of noise this year. What about the other guys in that division? Well, you're gonna, well let's start with um, you know, the Pittsburgh Steelers mm-hmm. and uh, lovely Ben Roethlisberger. I love that guy. Taste the sarcasm. But yeah, yeah your, fa- your, you know, your favorite he guy He tells in the, the girl that he has a very large <laughs> penis. <laughs> so the Pittsburgh Steelers finished at 8-8 eight and eight last year, um, and that's with winning three in a row to end the season. Mm-hmm. Okay? He's so overrated. I don't even want to spend more than a couple of seconds talking about this guy. I loathe him. I just can't do it. I need to interrupt you very briefly to make sure that we have one of the things that Eric and I have to desperately strive for. And we think that all, all these media outlets that you have to desperately strive for the accuracy and the importance of this information. Jordan Cameron, the tight end for the Cleveland Browns last year, had 80 receptions, 8-0 for 917 yards. Average That's huge, a, especially on the Browns. Giant. Yeah. Had 11 and a half yards per reception average with seven touchdowns, and Josh Gordon only had nine touchdowns. So this guy was... Only. Uh, I know, but he was right on the heels. This guy, and he came on a little bit later in the season. So this guy was profound, Jordan Cameron, as as far as when he became an integral part of this offense. So when we look at Cleveland... He was a USC guy. The, when we look at Cleveland, we look at Josh Gordon. Boom. We know that he's the number one wide receiver in the NFL, yep. or one of them. Right, yeah. right on there with yeah, Megatron. I mean, yeah, exactly. You got Megatron now. Okay. Yeah. Who's in the yeah, NFC Johnson. North. Yep. Okay. Yeah. We have Jordan Cameron. We have Ben Tate with his first genuine opportunity to be a starter. Both big guys. Both they big guys. both got weight to them. So a brand new head coach who's a defensive coordinator for the last five years in one of the, top, one of the most difficult yeah. divisions to defend. Oh, against. yeah. We beat ourselves up in the AFC East. And then you have Brian Hoyer who is a Cleveland kid Yes, who's going to be playing in his hometown. And he's not a scrub. No. But they're going to just ask him not to lose the games. <clears throat> so I, I apologize for interrupting you, but I no, want to okay. make sure that, that Cameron got his, got no, his I, credit. No, I here. see him here. No, I see I mean, all 6'5 and 250 pounds of him. <laughs> yeah, okay. he's tough to miss. Right? Yeah, and you know, like I said, he's a USC guy. Yeah. Um. So you're right. He's going to be fine. With him and Gordon and Hoya, they have a chance to 
make, seven and nine. How, yeah, well, let's say make noise. Yeah, okay. a little bit to disrupt some other team's plans uh, on the way. But again, they're not a playoff team, not yet. Not until Manziel takes the helm. Mm. Mm. Okay, well, because I'm going to give you my order at the end. So yeah, I'm sure. Ahead. I'm sure. So again, like I said, Steelers, forget about it. They finished eight and eight last year. I think water will seek its level, and they'll do the same exact thing. One of the things that the Steelers tried to do this year, as we talked about in our open, was uh, get tri- young. <laughs> and they uh, they actually did. They they were able in in 2013. Their average age on defense uh, was uh, 30 years old. And they were able to actually lower their average age, but they, they, I think they lowered it to like 27 years old, which is, that's pretty I, good. Taylor and Palomalo ain't helping that curve. You can't, I, yeah, honestly, I don't think you can have two starters in your secondary that are a combined age. 67. 67 years old. Yeah. And Palomalo will get hurt twice this year. He will miss. Yes. He'll miss multiple four games. to five games. Easy. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the way he plays. It's just, that's how that's going to happen. Again, I I just don't see the Steelers making any radical improvements to to build on last year. It's at eight and eight. Again, remember they were they were five and eight going into the last three games of the of the year, so they were a sub five hundred team. It took winning the last three games of the season to get to eight and eight. Cincinnati finished eleven and five, won the division. Uh huh. Okay, you got Andy Dalton. Okay. How do you think it <laughs> must feel for Bengals fans to? Sort of be close, like, but, th- but that's how they've been all decade. When I had Carson Palmer, that was the same thing. Mm-hmm. He, you know, he'd throw for four hundred plus yards and put up forty two <laughs> points, but they lose forty three to forty two. Or Carson Palmer would go out and throw for two fifty five, you know, and and a conservative, you know, like two touchdowns and one a pick, pick or yep. whatever, yep. and then and they would lose, you know, seventeen to twenty. Yep, and or you know they would they had a they always have a pretty good defense. They always have a pretty good offense. Yep. They've been on the cusp for a while now. They, I keep reading these things about Andy Dalton, like, like when's Andy Dalton going to get a little bit better, right? The problem that Andy Dalton is having is that, it, like, and that Ryan Tannehill in the East might have in a, in a, in a couple of more years. That, but he, Tannehill's got more growth to do, though. He is not oh, anywhere near his ceiling. No way. Okay. But that's why I'm saying, Just like, as, Tannehill might come up against in, in a year or two. Um, Andy Dalton is at or very close to his ceiling, and he's not Peyton Manning. And he never will be. No, no, of course he's not. He's not Tom Brady. Do you put him in the top 10? In the in NFL the, in right in the now. AFC. Oh, yeah, absolutely. In the top 10 of the AFC right now. I actually put him probably in the top six in the AFC right now. Okay. All right. Okay. I, I put him we'll, in the top six. We can talk six. about that another time. Yeah. I, I put Andy Dalton right up there. I, so, so maybe in a, in a parlance that everybody would universally understand that, that's listening, I would put Andy Dalton as a level two fantasy football starter. Okay. Oh, okay. Like after your Manning, your Brady, Rogers, your Breeze, whatever, I would put an Andy Dalton in there. Okay. Okay. All right. I mean, he's got the arm for it. But I can see a little bit of a regression. Um, ten and six. Okay. Kind of thing. Do you, do they win their division this year? Yes. No. Really? Who wins the division? Cleveland wins the division this year. Really. Mm-hmm. With Brian Hoyer at the I, helm. I don't, I don't know what to say to that. So so you you think they're gonna do a more drastic turnaround than what I put them at at seven and nine. Yeah, and I think that okay. I think that Cleveland finishes ten and six. I think they surprise a lot of teams. So they get the tiebreaker over over Cincinnati. Over Cincinnati, okay. Cincinnati comes in right at the same thing, about ten and six, tied. Then, again, this is a ground game now that's going to be anchored by Ben Jarvis Green Ellis. 
who never fumbles. But I think if he was going to be Arian Foster or if he was even going to be D'Angelo Williams, he already would have been. Yeah, he's not yet. Um, so in seven years in the league, I think he is what he is. He is what he is exactly. Yeah. Like in in three years in the league, if you're not who you are, that's it. You, oh yeah, that's you're it. You're done. You're fodder. So um, when you're you know he's an 800 yard back, and which is great, awesome, and they they're even by committee. They have a, they have a lot. They of young do. Talent. They yeah. They got five on on their yeah. roster right now. So with a team like Cincinnati, I think that you're at ten and six. I have this. We've already touched on Pittsburgh. They have a they have a fairly good receiver core. Uh, they they have Ben Roethlisberger, who, by the way, fastest quarterback in the history of the NFL. This includes Brady, man, all of them to ninety wins. He's got two Super Bowl wins. They have. A, I attribute that to their defense, to their coaching. <sighs> well, nobody wins a game by themselves. I know, I know, but I can't give them the credit. I'm sorry, I just can't. I can't. I can't do it. Fault me. That's fine. Now let's talk about. The I Ravens. like to make love. <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's talk about the Ravens. I want to wrestle you so <laughs> and the high, bad. one of the highest paid quarterbacks in the league. So he must be elite. He must be right. Are you Was just he go- the second or third highest paid quarterback <laughs> in the in the NFL? So he's got to be elite. Um, you're obviously talking about one Delaware graduate, Joe Flacco. Joe Flacco. Man, I tell you, what a talent. Man, if he was only as good as Andy Dalton. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, yeah, so as you can see, we don't put much faith in, in Joe Flacco. Uh, you know, they finished, again, 8-8, eight and eight, losing their last two. I don't see much of a jump for them. A couple of problems that they have, obviously, going into the year. Um, Ray Rice? <laughs> that's, they have baggage. First of all, they have baggage. Well, second of all, Ray Rice had a horrible year last year. Yeah, and then after all this off the field stuff, you know, knocking out his his you know fiance now wife, he's going to miss the first two games of the season. I mean, what what does he bring to the table now? Do you think he's going to get better? You think he's going to have a, a breakout year? I I don't see him getting any better. Okay, Ray Rice is, his statistics might improve. Well, he had six hundred yards, six hundred sixty yards rushing. His, his statistics go up. Yeah. Okay, fine. He has something to prove now. More than what that he can hit more than just women. Yeah, like exactly that he can drag the ball over the goal line, not just drag a woman out of an elevator. <laughs> um, and but by the way, which he couldn't even drag her out of the elevator. No, yeah, but he looked like, like he was struggling. Yeah, he, he was a little like he was winded. Struggling. He was a little winded. Yeah, time to yeah. hit the hills, yeah, bud. Some sprints. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Get some wind sprints yep, in there. The yeah, you were, you were running out of gas. <laughs> um, they have a little bit of a difficult schedule at the beginning of the season. They have uh, they have Carolina, tough matchup. They have uh, Atlanta, who we'll talk about another yeah, time. Yeah, they'll see you know underachieved. They'll be fine. They'll they'll be back. They'll be back. They have uh, they have they have to play the Colts. They do have a difficult division because that division always is difficult for each other. That's a that's a slugfest. One thing they have going for them is a Harbaugh. Is a Harbaugh? Yeah. Is a Har? They're good coaches. Yeah. They come from a good coaching pedigree. Yep. John Harbaugh is a good coach. Yes. This team, though is in a bad spot. And when Eric actually mentioned a couple of minutes ago this contract, it is honestly one of the worst contracts in the entire NFL. Joe Flacco, in I think it's 2017, and I have to double-check, um, is going to cost the Ravens $27 million. Sounds about right. Yeah. And that's in 2017. Mm-hmm. This is one of the... <laughs> awful. One of the worst awful. situations. So... They are in a they're in a position now where if they 
don't achieve again now. They have to win the division to justify everything they've done, the contract they've, they've given, the, you know, Ray Rice still being their, their starting running back, even after the bad season last year. Mm-hmm. It, it's going to, I don't know, man, it's, it's just not going to be good for them if they don't win the division. And I don't see them winning the division. And not only that, if, if they don't win the division, they don't get into the playoffs. Oh, no, because definitely not. Because there's so not. many teams no, in the AFC not. that are going to be right I mean, the, in that The wild mix. cards came out of the AFC West, both of them, yeah. last year. And I don't see that changing. Uh, yeah, and so we're in that spot where if they don't, whoever wins this division is making it to the playoffs. As, you have Cleveland. I have Cleveland, followed by Cincinnati, Cincinnati, followed by Pittsburgh, and then closing it out with yeah. Baltimore. Again, I see, you know, I see Baltimore as a sub-500 team this year. Right there. I'm right there Just with sub, you. Just sub-500. Anywhere so. between six and... Eight wins. I see him at maybe five hundred or whatever. Because frankly, they they play Jacksonville. You know, they play Tennessee. Yeah. They play Tampa. Whatever. We just need to work our way out of the void that is the AFC North. And apparently, head deeper into the void by heading into the NFC North. <laughs> I mean, that's a little bit easier. Sure. Green Bay. That's it. No, yeah. I mean, really. I guess it's not easier. Than- it, it's Green Bay. Green Bay is going to win their division. They were twelve and four last. Uh, I'm sorry, eight, eight and seven and one last year. But they grossly underachieved. Okay. Okay. You got you got Aaron Rodgers. That's enough for me f- to win that division. You got the Bears, who were eight and eight last year. I even think they overachieved a little bit. I don't think you know by going young on the defense and drafting four out of the first five picks on defense. I don't think that's going to do much. They still have yet to fill the void that was. Um, uh, Brian uh, Erlacher. Mm-hmm. Okay. Detroit Lions. Is okay. this a year they finally put that talent together under new head coach? All right. That entire division just wallowed in mediocrity. Yeah. Okay. Uh, of course. Eight and seven and one. Eight and eight. Seven and nine. Five and ten. Okay. That, that's why these are voids. Like that, that's why it's, it we're is. even talking about these. Yeah. And it's like, uh, yeah, we just got to get through it to get to the good divisions. <laughs> you know, well, sorry you know, to be so flippant. Talk about. Yes. Yeah, right? The ones we want to talk about. But when we... Um, Green Bay, frankly, I don't necessarily think they're they're not three games better than this. Are they no. one or two games better than this? Fine. They still don't have a defense. When your defense is is, is anchored by the individually and singular most overrated player in the NFL. You you can't be talking about Clay Matthews. Oh, you know no, I he's am. a top flight, man. He's, oh, yeah. Uh, he's the bee's knees. Oh, man, he's the cat's ass. <laughs> this guy is he's, biceps and blonde hair can get you... Millions. Uh, millions. It can get you chunky soup commercials. It can get you broads at the beach. And a big fat head. Uh, and a big fat... <laughs> <laughs> that's off-putting. Yeah, you should be off-putting. <laughs> the... The fact of the matter is, is that he's the most overrated player in the NFL. Absolutely. If you want evidence of this, you can go back to the 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 instant, the day he became documented as the most overrated player in the NFL. Well, when they played the Patriots, the first time they played New England in New England, and it was a prime time game. Yep. You can actually see see the statistical move where you know he he had these tackle averages and these you know pass defended averages and these these statistics that he was putting up. Bill Belichick. Of course, one of the the tenets of the ways he, way he, way he coaches, player X is not going to beat us. Yep, and drew out a blueprint for the rest of the league to follow. How does this guy not beat you? Just do this, and it basically looks like almost every team in the league has done that. Now, copycat league. Yeah, is is he? If you run to his side and don't block him, yes, yeah, he will he, make the tackle. He will make a tackle. Yes. Great, but he's 
nowhere near as good as Brian Urlacher on his no, worst never. day yeah, was. Never. Okay, this he's he's not even as good as Dat Wynn was on the Cowboys in <laughs> 1995, whatever. Yeah. So when your defense is anchored by that secondary is old, this defense is shoddy. You have Aaron Rodgers. Yes. Can he put 35 points up on the board? Yes. Is that enough? They have they have Lacey as their running back. Yes, who's a bargain still. He's he's still way down there as far as a hit on their salary cap. So he's a great value, a top five running back in the NFC. Dynamite. This team is not three four wins better than eight and seven, and one and one. Sorry, than eight seven and one. That leads us down the line here, Chicago. When we have Chicago and they tried to rebuild their, their defense by the draft, they did a great job in the draft, I think. They, their defense was old. They had had, they had had an exodus, basically, and their defense was suffering. They have an unbelievable receiver core, one of the best in the NFL right now. And frankly, I think Jay Cutler's a guy who can run that offense. What is this year that Cutler steps up? Cutler stepped up last year. Cutler's a good quarterback. He's a oh, nobody says he's not. Well, nobody says he's not, but he still couldn't lead his team more than eight and eight with the, last with the receiving season. court. Yeah. Okay. Last season he couldn't. But go and look at when you look at his his point differential in that division, including Aaron Rodgers. His points for it, they, their their team put up four hundred and forty five points, and their point differential was negative thirty three. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, they allowed. 478. Exactly. Yeah. So when you have that, when you're looking at And scored that, the most touchdowns in the division as well at 52. There you go. So is Jay Cutler doing his job? Is that offense doing their job? He is. Okay. Forte's they're, healthy. They're two years away. When they, have, when they go and they grab four players in their first five draft picks, two defensive backs, two defensive tackles, and they're in the process right now of rebuilding their defense, fantastic. Two years out. Okay. So you look into the 2015-16 season. 15-16, that team starts to really look like a beast if they can hold it together on offense. Okay. All right? All right. Jim Caldwell came to Detroit. Yes, he did. The key to this team has been its abhorrent leadership. Oh, absolutely. When you have the talent that the Detroit Lions have... On the offense and defensive side of the ball, everywhere, yeah. And you're still, you know, seven and nine, eight and eight, you know, uh, five and eleven. There's an issue there, and it's not the talent; it's the coaching. So, did they solve their coaching problem? Absolutely, without any shadow of a doubt. So, is this the year for Detroit Lions? This is the year the Detroit Lions make a ton of noise. Can they, they win the division? They have the division, and they will make noise in the conference. Okay. Talk to me about this conference as an overall. Do you think that they can beat Seattle? Nah. No. No, no but, but can they get out of their own? Can they get out of their own division? Definitely. Sure, I'd like to see them in the playoffs. If you look 8-7-1, and 8-8, and 7-9. And 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 then... Minnesota's in there, too. <laughs> boom, 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 boom. <laughs> <laughs> but when you look at Detroit with... The, the what was it Schwartz? This, this, this the what, Schwartz a, belief, what yeah. a terrible, terrible pedigree, like just awful run of coaching that they yep. just went through. You have Megatron, Bush, yeah, Stafford, Dominic and Sue, Dominic and Sue. They went draft they, they have every single solitary piece that, that you could possibly Absolutely. want, and still couldn't put it together. 
undisciplined play, terrible penalties, yep. mental mistakes, mental mistakes, mental mistake. yep. this domino effect of, of catastrophes that they kept going through over and over and over again. Uh, now they have a disciplined coach who, who took care of uh, the Colts team when their head coach was in for cancer treatment and brought in Andrew Luck in his first season and made them bona fide winners. Jim Caldwell. Jim Caldwell. Did a great job. Yeah. He is going to make this team. He's my NFC Coach of the Year this year. Okay, is Jim Caldwell. All right, okay? I can I can get behind that. That's my guy. So it's going to be very interesting to see how this division plays out. Only because it's so mediocre. It's been so mediocre. Mm-hmm. Okay, again, because we've already talked about the talent Detroit has. Mm-hmm. It's been mediocre. So anybody who wants to step up this year and grab it, it's going to be theirs. And I hope it's the Detroit Lions. I do. The one thing I do want to mention about Minnesota that was a, a key, and I know that you wanted to talk a little bit about Adrian Peterson. Well, well, my only question is, is how can you be so awful with a guy like Peterson on your team? You know, I'm talking about, okay, last year. You know, you got 13, he got 1,300 yards. It was 1,266. But he got uh, steps at least 1,300 rushing yards. Four and a half a carry. Ten touchdowns. Year before, 12 touchdowns. That, and then uh, the over 2,000 yards rushing. You know, and before that one, his injury year, he even hit 970. But 1,298, 1,383, 1,760. Are you kidding me? So you got this guy who's a, a absolute beast, physical specimen. He gets you your touchdowns. And this is all with every defense of every team that they play against keying up on him. They're not guarding against Ponder. They are focusing on the running back, and yet he's still getting 1,300 yards and 10 touchdowns. How do they completely fail okay, I, I, with a guy like that? Let me give you kind of a macro view, okay? And, and, and sort of in a, a macro view of this thing, meaning as a team philosophy. This is the team that has Christian Ponder and Matt Castle on their team. They have Christian Ponder. Okay. They have Christian Ponder. They went out and grabbed who I think is, was the best quarterback in the draft last year. Teddy Bridgewater. Yes. Who is the opposite of the type of quarterback that you would want to run an offense that Christian Ponder would run. So they drafted Christian Ponder, what, two years ago, three years ago? Yep. They put him in an offense. Now they go and draft Teddy Bridgewater out of Louisville. With the 32nd pick. With the 32nd pick, okay? Mm Mm-hmm. So end of the first round. Yep. They get the best quarterback in the draft, and yes, that is the case. And they are going to ruin him if they put him in because they are not. They are putting him in an offense yeah. he will not succeed in. But they did improve their defense. They went out and got out, you know, outside linebacker uh, Anthony Barr. He was pretty much incredible. Top two. Yeah, top two recruit. Period. W- without a doubt. Yes. Okay. And and I got that. And and that's that's great for them. That's a great idea. They were lacking on defense. So, to be sure. They, but they went and got, and if you, you, you take a philosophy, a team philosophy, they have, they have Adrian Peterson, they have Christian Ponder, who's a, who's a great, great quarterback, he could potentially be a great quarterback, okay? And then they go and get Teddy Bridgewater, and they are going to try to shoehorn a guy into an offense that he is not designed to play in. No, they have to build it around what he's comfortable what he's com- with in the what, what he's capable yes. of doing. Work to your player's strength, not force your players into your system. Yeah, in your scheme. Okay? Yeah, absolutely. That's when you see successes with young players. That's the type of philosophy that you're working with at the top levels of this team. That's why you don't see any success. 
So you have Adrian Peterson on your team. You've had a good defense on uh, on the field, and you're putting out a six foot six, you know, Kyle Rudolph. Yeah, this guy's a monster. Yeah, I mean, he's only you know four years in the NFL, so he has room to grow. Mm-hmm. But he's six six, and what two sixty. <laughs> and now it's the it's the league of big tight ends, and you're sitting there with what could be a dominant franchise quarterback, and you're going to try to shoehorn him into a program he's not going to succeed in. Mm-hmm. And if you are working with that philosophy high up in your organization, you are fundamentally broken. And that right there is what I think the key problem is in Minnesota. By the way, they've built a brand new. They're building a brand new stadium there to to. Host, well, they have to to host Super Bowl <laughs> L. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, all right. So 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 I have Detroit winning the division, followed by Green Bay, Bears, and the Vikings. Well, I'm yeah exactly we, the we same on the spot. same page there. And, and I have Jim Caldwell um, getting NFL coach of the uh, uh, NFC coach yeah. of the year. All right. So I know for everybody that was kind of a grind on the AFC and NFC North, but it had to be talked about. It had to be done. We got that out of the way, so look forward to next week's segment when we could talk about real contenders. I'm Eric. He is Ted. Visit us at ericandted.com. Visit us on Twitter and follow us, Eric and Ted ICS, and on Facebook at Eric and Ted's Ice Cream Social. And stank, thanks for sticking with us there. We'll be back with our final segment, Top 10 Boston Celtics, who never, never have to-, to buy a beer in Boston again. Welcome back to Eric and Ted's Ice Cream Social. I'm Eric. And I'm still Ted. And right now we want to get back into our regular feature, athletes that never have to buy a drink in Boston ever again. And this week we're going to talk about top 10 Boston Celtics. That's a big list. (laughs) It is. But we got to keep it to 10. Yeah, pruning this one down to 10 is a real tough one. I'm throwing it right at you for number one. Then I'm kicking off with one of my all-time favorite Celtics. Absolutely one of my favorite role players. Helped out the big three more than anybody I can possibly imagine. I'm going Cedric Maxwell right off the top. <laughs> Cedric Maxwell, quack, quack, <laughs> quack, quack. Absolutely. Uh, you can't really argue with that pick. No, best storyteller in the league. Absolutely. Great commentator. <laughs> I love listening to his stories. Yeah, the guy's dynamite, man. So I'm, all right, heading back over to you. All right, so my number two mm-hmm. uh, has been with the organization decades upon decades. Okay, played with him, coached, and now he does their play-by-play. Okay, mm-hmm. that's Tommy Heinsohn. Oh. You gotta buy Tommy Heinsohn a beer every time you see him, and he calls the game right down the middle. Right too. down the middle, he is <laughs> totally impartial, and he's pro ref. Yeah, he's, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so go ahead, number three. Uh, I guess the only Boston Celtic that could scratch the bottom of his feet without having to bend over. Who's that? McHale. Oh, Kevin McHale. <laughs> yeah, big lanky guy, wasn't he? Yeah, Kevin McHale definitely is on the <laughs> top obviously of my integral list. part to the uh, the championships in the eighties and. It's going to go right into my number four, hand-in-hand, one of the greatest Celtics players to ever play, Larry Bird, number 33. And the very definition of how we can say that these lists are in no particular order. Yeah, no no particular order, because, yeah, this is number four on my list. Yeah, I've actually driven to French Lick, Indiana on my way through just for the purpose of saying I was there. How boring a ride was that? It was boring, and then I just to say I could do it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, give me your number five, Ted. All right, I'm going to do it in my, my, best, my best most impression. 
Havlicek stole them all. Hondo. <laughs> Hondo. Yes. Yeah, Havlicek. You you can't say Celtics without saying Havlicek. No, nope, so. absolutely not. And you can't have that on that list without Bill Russell. Mm. Bill Russell, one of the all-time greats ever. Arguably could be the greatest basketball player. And he's become a everything from a basketball ambassador to civil rights ambassador to like mentor. great American Yeah, and mentor. to mentor of these younger guys, KG. Yeah. You know, KG looked up to him. A, a lot of players look up to him, and, he's, and he makes time. He's accessible, and we love him here in Boston, and he'll never have to buy a beer. Mm, this is a tough one for me because I got a couple of guys on the list, but if I don't put Bob Cousy on the list. You have to. Yeah, if I don't put Bob Cousy on the list, I just, I, I have to turn I mean, they don't my... even put his number there. They put his name. Yeah, I have to... Cousy right in the middle. <laughs> you can see it. All the numbers surrounding and then just Cousy in the middle. Yeah, I have to turn in my shamrock if, yes. I, if I don't put <laughs> yeah. Cousy on the list. So, um, and I'm, yeah, I mean, I mean somebody's going to be left off because of it, and but we'll touch on him after. He'll be the also-ran that we'll mention in a little bit. Yeah. So, uh, so we got Cousy on there. Now I'm going for a man who's bled literally bled for this team mm-hmm. and bled for this city and almost lost his life in this city. And that's Paul Pierce. Dude got stabbed in the neck. Lived. <laughs> Lived and ends up being, I'd say, a top five greatest Celtic of all time. Could, and that's been yeah. backed up by, by the bigs, by you know Bill Russell. He's even said it. Yeah, and Larry Bird. And Larry, yeah, they, yeah, so much respect what he's done for this town in the 90s when they were borderline mediocre to you know tough finishes. He was a constant. And even through the rebuilding years, he stuck with it. The stalwart, you, you know, know, played with the, you know even you know that Antoine Walker where they were almost there. Yep, yep. and and he stuck with it always. until finally, our also ran Danny Ainge was able put, to put together that big three and which is and actually, win as a championship. And I'm going with number nine, and I'm for a very short period of time, it was almost like the the shooting star of of this list who is that it's got to be kg for me all he's going on the list yeah he's got to you know help brought the championship uh you know the uh, lombardi uh, lombardi joke no <laughs> <laughs> awful um but bring a championship to the nba yeah and it, uh, bring a championship back to the celtics yes but we <laughs> honestly we don't get a championship without this guy's grit his heart his determination oh yeah everything about kg embodiment of all things Boston sports. This guy is a dirt dog. He's a Trot Nixon yeah, style. Pale. Yeah, like he's, he plays basketball, and I swear to God, I saw mud on his uniform when he was done playing. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's how tough this guy was. Absolutely. Yeah, so. Yeah, KG's on that list. He'll never have to buy NBA Boston again. And that was number nine. Now, now oh, how do you stop at 10? There's so I'm many I'm going to tell you how left. you stop at 10. All right, okay. all right. And you stop at 10 with one guy. His name's Don Nelson. Okay. Wow. Don Nelson, he's he's not, you know, if you're the average passive fan of the NBA, you're like, who? Mm. But if you love the NBA, I mean, he, he's credited with pioneering the concept of the point uh, of the of the point forward. Mm-hmm. Period. Notably one of the greatest coaches of all time. Yeah. Okay, the NBA has him on their list. It's all-time record. His numbers in the rafters. I mean, yeah, he is. Garden. Yeah, he's got a, you know, 0.557, you know, winning percentage, but I mean, 1335 and 1063. I mean, he his longevity alone, mm-hmm. you know, kind of gets him there. I mean, he, okay. he, he, was, right. he so, was the heart and soul of the Celtics for, for a good long period of time. There's five championships. Now, there's a guy that we conspicuously left off this list because he sort of deserves a category all of his own. I hear he's not much of a drinker. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we did mention the big three. Two of those names are on there. Yeah, we didn't mention the third yet. 
And there's a reason why he's in a category all of his own. Why is that, Ted? Well, I'll give you his name. And why? (laughs) (laughs) You can't even keep his straight face. Who is it? Who is it? The Chief. The Chief, Robert Parrish. (laughs) Yeah, not much of a drinker, but boy, he will never have to roll his own J in In Boston Boston again. again. This man once had... Marijuana sent to him on the road. Was it what year was that? 80, 86? I, it was around there. It was, it was in his heyday. <laughs> the guy actually had weed sent to him. Gotten a little bit of a bind L- for it. A little bit of a pickle. <laughs> but <laughs> but that man will never have to roll his own joint. How about that? And with that, my friends, <laughs> Eric and I wish you a fond farewell for today and have a great week, everybody. I am Ted. And I am Eric. Make sure you visit us this week at Eric and Ted's uh, Ice Cream Social on Facebook. And ericandted.com. And also hit us up on Twitter, at Eric and Ted ICS. Take care now. That's the best thing you can do.